That's good, because that just gives me a moment to get set up here. Okay, yeah, thank you, Erica, for that brilliant reading. It's really, really powerful, isn't it? There's so much in that. And it's a, it's a great privilege for me to be able to speak today, um, wrapping up this series that we've been going through, the Summer of Love, going through the book of 1 John. And uh, it's, I just want to say thank you to everyone um, who's welcomed me so far. It's really been great to just be integrated into this wonderful church family where there's such a, a great and real sense of loving community. And uh, it's been a real blessing for me to just ease in so easily and, and just meet so many of you. And if I haven't met you yet, um, I'm looking forward to meeting more of you soon and getting to know you all. Um, but as we go into this um, piece of scripture today, I'm really excited because John is, well, he's truly, he's one of my favorite authors. John is just, he's all heart. He's all in. And he's really, really passionate about what he wants to tell us. And as we read from verse 3, we'll see that the first thing that he said is, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And obviously we're going to be thinking, well, what are his commandments? And if, if we look, we've heard about this in previous weeks. Um, we've been going through the book. If we go back to chapter 3, we see that he simply says this. He says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is pretty much sums up everything that John is always wanting to talk about. He's always talking about love, and he's always talking about Jesus Christ being the true Son of God. This is, if you like, the foundation that he wants us to build our, our faith on. And if we look as well, you'll notice that there's something else that he continues to talk about. He talks about at the end of that scripture there, we heard the word true three times. In fact, John mentions the concept of true or truth maybe 14, 15 times in this epistle. In his gospel, he talks about the concept of truth over 30 times, more than any other book in the whole Bible. The gospels only mentioned it a couple of times, but John is fixated on this word truth, that Jesus is true. Because we can really only understand true love when we understand the true nature of God. You know, what, is it, what does it mean to talk about truth? What is truth? I've got to be honest, uh, in preparation, I decided to go on Google and say, well, what does the world say about truth? And you can try it. You won't find actually any real good definition. It's, does it, is it simply the opposite of lying? Is it relative? Is it immutable? Is it absolute? Is it always true? And I think today we're moving towards an idea that truth is relative. So it can be relative, it can be true one day, it can be not true another day. It can be true for one person, not true for another person. So we really don't have any clear definition, but we all have a desire for truth. We all understand and know that truth is something that we yearn for. It is something wonderful. It is something that we should all chase after. But John, you see, John here... He takes a different tact. He, John defines truth as a person. In John 1, verse 14, he says, The one and only Son who came from the Father, 
full of grace and truth as he introduces Jesus. And then Jesus famously said in John's gospel in verse four, um, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But really, if we want to really establish what this truth really means, we have to go back to the beginning. And when I say back to the beginning, I don't mean going back to Genesis. I'm saying let's go back to the beginning of John's gospel. Because this really is the foundation. Listen to this in John 1. He starts like this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So is truth something that is absolute? Is truth something that has always existed from the beginning of time? Will it always exist? Well, in John's opinion, truth was there at the beginning of time. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then he concludes this in the book of Revelation, where he says, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's not relative. It's there at the beginning. He will be there at the end. Jesus was there at the beginning, and he will be there at the end. So how do we make this concept relative to us? Well, this is, this is the thing I want to get. Because it speaks to the essence of humanity. It speaks to the essence of who we are. Because the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, and through him everything was created through him, nothing was created that wasn't created through him, he's talking about us. We were created in the image of God. And we fell away from that image by turning to our own ways. And humanity lost its way. But when Jesus came, he came to reveal the image of God to us once again. That original image that walked in the garden with God. And this is something that is so crucial to our Christian faith. Because it reveals who we really are. It speaks to the essence of our humanity. As people search for truth, they say, what is truth? They search for different things. It is this, it is that. Nothing is ever going to fit in the same way as Jesus does. Because when we talk about the truth of Jesus, we're not just talking about the truth that says, believe this and then you will get to heaven. If you believe this truth, this is the way to heaven. No, 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 that's not what John is trying to tell us. This truth is something that teaches us about who we are. This truth teaches us how to be truly human. This truth goes to the core of our identity. 
We are created in the image of God. And as we search for truth, as we search for knowledge, for ideas, something that will make us feel right, something that will make us feel whole, something that will make us feel that we have hope in this world, we can explore lots of different versions of the truth. But unless it is anchored in Christ, it will never truly fit because we were made for something different. We were made to reveal the image of God. You can try all these different things on, but they will never fit the way that Jesus will. I love the way that Paul puts it in his letter to the Romans in chapter 13, verse 13. He says this, he says, Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if we look at some of those things, talking about drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, people think, oh, you know, those things are old-fashioned. You know, we live in a different time now. Don't tell me what to do. I can be myself. I can do these things and I can still be happy. How many of you know it doesn't always work out like that? When I was about 25, 26, I was probably at what I felt like was the peak of my powers. I was discovering who I was, and I had the opportunity to go and spend a year in New York City, working in Manhattan. You know, I was a young man, and I thought I had it all together, and I was, I was living my truth. I was, I was exploring who I was. I was exploring my identity. And I went in and I did all these things. The drunkenness, the debauchery, the sexual immorality. I thought these were the things that made me me. These were the things that defined me. These were the things that, you know, were supposed to speak to the essence of my desires in my heart and in my soul. And all I found is as I, as I tried these things on, I got more and more depressed. I got, my spirit just started to be crushed. My soul became empty. And I realized that this outfit that I'd curated for myself, which I thought fit so perfectly, when I actually started to wear it and walk about the world and just live my life, it didn't fit. It fit my body, but it didn't fit my heart. It didn't fit my soul. And so when I came back from New York, having, in some senses, the time of my life, I came back and I decided, I said, Jesus, only you from now on. I'm going to look to nothing but you, your will, your ways. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. And it wasn't until that moment that I truly started to feel whole again, that I truly felt like I was starting to discover who I really am, who I was created to be. And the truth is we can only find that in Jesus. We can simply not find it anywhere else. We might get close, but it will never truly, truly speak to who we are because we were created to reflect the image of God and the only way we can see the image of God is through Christ. That's what he came 
to reveal to us. And John tells us that if we believe this, then we will not be overcome. Let's look at verse 4. It says, Who is he who overcomes the world, the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So easy to be overcome by the world which we live in today. We've got war going on. We've got the cost of living crisis. So many things that can make us feel like we are overcome. But in Jesus, we are told that we have the answer. Because Jesus says in John 16, verse 33, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. As we put our faith in Jesus, we have the ability to overcome despair. We have hope for the future. We know that this world is not everything that we have, but we know that there is a resurrection because he's proven it to us. He rose again from the dead and showed us that we indeed have life. Death will not win because Jesus rose again. And how many of you know that the same spirit that lives in him lives in you today? So I really believe that Christians, we should be the great spreaders of hope. In a world that is full of despair, we as Christians should be the ones who put hope back into the world. We put joy back into the world. We overcome despair by trusting in the name of Jesus. And when we find despair, what do we do? We don't give some people some diatribe on how to get to heaven and how to reach salvation or how to be saved. We simply just tell them about Jesus. The Jesus that fulfills our life today and encourage people, just put your trust in him. Try him on. He will never, ever let you down. And we can trust in him because this is not merely a man. This is the Son of God who came to restore us to humanity. And this is something that John wants to make us absolutely dead sure of. When he starts in verse 6 about talking about the water and the blood, he says, this is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. By water, he's talking about the fact that Jesus was human. This is the water of his baptism, or even the water that carried him in his mother's womb. He wants us to know that Jesus was truly human, but and by, and by blood, that he died. He was truly human, truly God, and he died. Because in this case, he, wanted, he was trying to correct the false teaching of someone called Serinthius, who denied the incarnation and said that Jesus was merely a man of which the Spirit of God descended. But here's the thing. If Jesus was just a man and he wasn't God, he can reveal the way, but he can't reveal God's love. He can reveal the way. He can, be, he can be some kind of great moral teacher, 
but he can't reveal truly God's love because God's love is revealed in the fact that God came down. And this can be a mistake that we still make today. A lot of people do like to talk about Jesus as a simply a moral teacher. Let us never make that mistake of ever seeing Jesus as simply a moral teacher or as someone who leads us up to God. That is not who he is. He is the one that came down. Because if we only see Jesus as a man, then in the end what we end up doing is trying to reach up ourselves. We try to reach up to God. How many of you know what it feels like to just keep trying to reach up to God? Trying to do something that's right, trying to do something that's holy so that you can touch him. But it's so hard. It can end up looking a little bit like this. If I can just do a quick illustration here, I'm going to try and see if I can make my way up to a position. You've probably, probably not seen people here too many times. I've certainly never been up here before. But let's just say that right now, I am God. I am up in heaven as we see him. And what I have here is, I have a snack. Now, we're going to call this snack salvation, if you will. And my son is going to be the one who's going to demonstrate humanity to us. And so Lucas is going to come up and he's going to try and get this snack, which to us is salvation. Lucas, get the snack. Come on. Come on, get it. Come on, come on, higher, come on. Come on, you can do it. Come on, jump again. One more time. No? Ugh. So close. But you see, the, 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 the weight of the sin of humanity is so great that we can't do it. No man can reach up to God as much as we keep trying. Lucas, why don't you go and just take a seat right there? You see, this is, this is what God does. Instead of asking us to reach up, God came down. He came down from heaven. He gave up his divinity, and he came to be with us, to show his love, to give us salvation. There you go. Enjoy the sound. Go and share it with your sister. And this reveals the love of God. Because Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is in John's Gospel, verse, uh, chapter 15. He says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater demonstration of love that we could ever encounter than the love that we see from the God who came down. And this is something that John wants us to understand as the ultimate form of love. Because he wants us to stop reaching up and instead just to accept the grace of God so that we can reach out. When we stop trying to reach up, we have, the, we have the spirit, we have the energy instead to reach out into our world, to show people love. We have the freedom to come before God and receive that love. And that makes us truly free. Instead of being bound up, 
we're released to go and show the world his love. What's the verse? I've got it here somewhere, somewhere else. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. The truth shall set you free. And John wants us to fundamentally change our relationship with each other and change our relationship with God out of this deep revelation of his love. And then we see in verse 14, we see that this then leads to confidence in prayer. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We have that intimacy with God so that when we pray, we know that he's not a God that is saying, reach up to me first, do the right thing, and then I will answer your prayers. We know that he has come down and he is in a position where he is waiting to hear us. He is waiting to hear our prayers and he is waiting for the opportunity to come down and put his arms around us and answer our prayer. And so as we come to the end of this epistle and the end of, of my talk today, we see that John says three things. Three times he says, we know, we know, we know. And he talks about truth three times again. And he really wants us to get this. He wants us to have an unwavering faith in Jesus. A faith that does not move under any circumstances. Why? Because it's the foundation. We need to have the kind of unwavering certainty that my son had when he came and he learned a little bit about the planets. And he said, Daddy, do you know that there is a planet? It will flatten you. And I was like, really? There is a planet that will flatten you? I was like, wow, that's amazing. He says, yeah, it's called Venus. I was like, Venus? So I went on Google and I was like, is there a planet that will flatten you? And he talked about Jupiter where the gravitational pull is so strong. And I said, Lucas, there is a planet that will flatten you, but it's not Venus. It's Jupiter. He said, no, Daddy, you're wrong. Venus will flatten you. I was like, Lucas... I've read it on the phone. I've read it on Google. Jupiter will flatten you. Then your phone is wrong, Daddy. Venus will flatten you. I was like, I can't believe this. the defiance of my son. Lucas, this is your father telling you. Jupiter will flatten you, not Venus. Just listen to Daddy. No, Daddy, you're wrong. So when I consulted my cousin, who's a physics teacher, I says, my son keeps going on about Venus will flatten you. This planet that will flatten you is like, yeah, that's, that's Jupiter. I was like, okay, I knew I was right. I says, is there any, he says, unless he's talking about Venus. I was like, what? He says, the atmosphere in Venus is so strong, that will flatten you too. And I was like, wow. My son was right. I was wrong. I don't feel like I can ever father again. But the, he was adamant. He knew the truth. And it didn't matter what kind of authority, I am an authority in his life, I shouldn't do that. It it doesn't matter what authority came and told him. He was going to be unwavering from the truth. 
And so as John concludes his epistle here, he wants us, he wants us to have the same kind of steely determination, steely faith that Jesus is the way and the only way to God. No matter what other theories or, or other truths that we might encounter, he is the only way to God. In verse 16, he says this. He says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but has been born, who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Does not sin? That's hard, isn't it? How do we process that one? I've got to tell you, having uh, engaged in sin, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit the desires of my heart. I have no desire for it anymore. I've looked in the eyes of Christ. I've put my faith in him. And once I've done that, I've realized that he is the only thing that I want. So when John says that he who has had the Son of God revealed in him does not sin, he's basically saying, once you've tasted Jesus, once you've had the Son revealed to you, the idea that sin or any amount of chasing after your own desires can make you happy, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. So it's, it's not that we sin because we have this superior will. We don't sin because we have a superior will. It's because we have a superior understanding of what makes us whole. That bottle doesn't have the same power anymore. That other person, that woman, that man, they don't have the same power anymore because we know that it's only Jesus that can make us whole. Verse 19 says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We are of God. We, John wants us to be set apart. In understanding this truth, we should look different in the world. We should have a different opinion of the world. Because truth has been revealed in us. We don't just go with the flow of whatever is the, the prevailing narrative. We say, hold on, what does Jesus say? You know, it's so easy to become discipled by this. Spend so much screen time. I, I know myself, I have to work on this a lot. Making sure I'm not discipled by screen time. Constantly having information thrown at us. We're constantly having the narrative thrown at us. But there is a bigger narrative and a better narrative and it's in here. Try going old school for once. Try going paper Bible. There's no, there's no notifications that come up and tell you that someone liked your post on Facebook while you're trying to read about the truth of God. And if we do that, we can be set apart and we can be sure in the knowledge that Jesus is revealing, self, revealing himself to us. Because Christ is in us. That's his nature. He doesn't sit up in heaven, separated, waiting for us to be good enough to stand in his presence again. He comes down to us and dwells with us by his Holy Spirit. How many of you know that truth is not just a concept? Truth is here in this room today. Truth is in you right now. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you have the Spirit of God. So let's live as Christians, who've been set free by truth. We love one another because we know about the ultimate form of love. And we have an unwavering faith in Christ and Christ alone as the answer to humanity. 
And with every day that we put our faith in him, we will know these things to be more and more evident. And we will know them to be true. Because truth is not merely a concept. But it is the wisdom and the power of God revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Lord God, we thank you that we can know your truth today. Reveal to us by the coming of your son and by his dying on the cross and by his raising to life again, coming to life again, resurrecting from the dead, restoring humanity restoring us, Lord God. And we just pray that in this moment, you will reveal yourself to us again. Reveal the truth of your wisdom to us again. Reveal the truth of your love to us again. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to spend some time with God for a moment. We've still got some time. At the start of the service, Andrew um, led by saying, um, talk about foundations and how often when there's a struggle in life that there's a foundational issue. Um, I think. I think often... The foundational issue is that we believe a lie. And that as Joel's been talking about, what we need to do is know the truth. It could be about ourself, it could be about our circumstances, it could be about our past, it could be about our future, it could be about the good times or the bad times. So what I want to do is um, just ask everyone to stand if you can and to close your eyes. And to, um, as we always do, open up your hands like you're going to receive a gift because we're just going to wait to receive from God. There's a lie you're believing right now about something. So we're just going to ask God to reveal that to you now. So just say, God, show me what the lie is. If you're new to this, it could just be a word, it could be a phrase, it could be a picture, it could just be something you know that is true. And then we're going to wait and you're going to say out loud or in your heart or your mind, God, what is the truth about that lie? What is your truth? As Joel was saying, truth is a person and the person is Jesus and Jesus will reveal to us what is truth. So ask him now, what is the truth? What truth are you going to tell me right now? Holy Father, Jesus, friend, King, Savior, that will set me free. And we're going to wait.
Amen. Well done. Um, what I'm going to do now is something I've never done before. So go with me on this. Um, you can say it out loud. You can say it in your, in your heart or your head. I personally like saying these things out loud. Um, the thing that was revealed to you is a lie. Um, we're going to say, I renounce the lie that. And then you can say it. You can say it in your head or your heart. So um, should we say it out loud? Anne's saying yes, so we're going to do this. I always looked at Anne when these things. So um, I'm going to take, take the mic away because I'm going to do this too. Um, so after three, we're going to say, I renounce the lie. And then you say the lie that you're believing. So one, two, three. Well done. Thanks for being brave. Now we're going to declare the truth. What was the truth that you heard God say to you? So we're going to say, um, how would I phrase that? Uh, I accept the truth that, and then say the truth that God was saying. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to demonstrate what this looks like. So my thing was, um, I renounce the lie that I'm going to feel anxious over the next couple of weeks. My wife's giving birth next week. So I'm going to renounce the lie that I'm going to feel anxious about that time. And I'm going to declare the truth that God is good and that he's with us and that he is our deliverer, as well as the NHS, bless them. That he is our deliverer. So um, let's declare the truth after three. One, two, three. If you're going to struggle this week with that lie, you declare the truth. We're set free by Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of his testimony. So declaring the word of God is so powerful. So thanks for going along with that. What we're going to do is, uh, Jerry, can we have some keys? Thanks. Um, what we're going to do is we've got some time now. If you would like prayer for things that you're kind of wrestling with at the moment, then we always open up the service at the end for prayer. We've got an amazing prayer team. Part of the 